0: In just a couple days, you will no doubt be making some New Year's resolutions. Everybody does that every year. It's a new beginning. It's a new start. January starts everything over again. Aren't you glad we get a fresh start? And you're probably going to be saying, I need to lose some weight. Or I need to get this old body moving. I need to get in shape. Or I'm going to read through the Bible. You're going to make some kind of a commitment, something you want to do that's going to improve you in some way. The reason we typically fail at these New Year's resolutions is we don't have a strategy as to how we're gonna do that. We got our mind made up, this is what was good for me, this is what I ought to do, but we don't know how to make it happen. So about two or three days into our New Year's resolution, it falls apart, doesn't work, doesn't happen. So, I don't know what New Year's resolutions you're gonna have. But I hope at least one of them has something to do with you pressing in a little bit more in your relationship with God. Uh, And as you do that, you need to have a strategy. You can't just have a want to. You have to have a plan. What's your plan? How are you going to lose those extra 10 pounds? How are you going to do it? Because it's not going to happen by itself. How are you going to get in shape? If you like sitting in your easy chair watching TV, how are you going to get that old body moving? How are you going to do that? How are you going to press in toward God? What action steps are you going to take? So from the story in the Bible of a, of a man that had a fresh start, a new beginning, I want us to look at seven principles we need to understand if we're going to indeed have a new plan in place. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. Here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. His purpose is to come for the lost. That's his purpose. That's the purpose the church exists for the lost. Not to take care of ourselves, not to make ourselves look a little better, but it's the lost. That's what's in his mind. Before we get into these seven points, let me just tell you that uh, back in the summer sometime we decided that we were going to claim 40 souls for Jesus. And we were going to pray. Every time we prayed, we were going to be praying for those 40 souls. We didn't know who they were. We didn't have specific names. Uh, Some of us had specific names. But as a whole, we just knew 40 40 was the number we were going to pray for because it was our church's 40th anniversary. So we were praying for the 40. And I just want you to know that last Sunday when we made a plea to you to make a decision for Christ, there were three young adults raised their hands to make a decision. That took us up to 41. We reached our goal. Plus, isn't God good? So if God will answer a prayer like that when we didn't even know who we were praying for, don't you think he would want to answer your prayer knowing who we're praying for, knowing who you are. Okay, so, so let's look at these seven principles. Here's, here's the first one. You need to know that Jesus is passing through. Did, did you catch that phrase as we were reading this? He was passing through Jericho. He wasn't going to stay there. He's passing through. Here's, here's the good news. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, but he sent another comforter, the Holy Spirit, to this earth, and he is passing through. And you never know when he's going to be passing through your neighborhood. You never know when he's going to be passing through your town, passing by your house. He doesn't stay there. He passes through. And if you miss the opportunity of the great visitation of the Holy Spirit knocking on your door as he passes through, you're just going to have to wait to the next visitation. It just could be today is a day when the Holy Spirit is visiting you. And you're going to feel a tug, a tug on your heart because God's calling you. He's passing through. Don't miss it. There are periodic visitations with God. And you may say, well, where is God? He doesn't seem to be visiting me. Uh, I want us to remember this story from John chapter 20, verse 19. It says, On the beginning of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. They locked him out. They locked everybody out. And he just shows up. He just shows up. The good news is he might just show up in your life. Right when you least expect it, he might show up. It's a visitation of God. He appears to whom and where he chooses when and where we don't choose it i know we came to church this morning because we're choosing this is the time when we want to connect with god but he's the one who chooses the time when he reaches down and touches our life that's good news here's a second principle about new year's resolutions you need to step into the mission god has a mission Well, you have a mission too. Your mission this morning was you were going to come to church and sing some worship songs to God and maybe hear a good word from Pastor Deal and then you're going to go home and have Sunday dinner. That was your plan. That was your mission for the day. But God has a mission. And if you want God's favor in your life, you have to figure out what that mission is and step into it. You have to be a part of that. If you want God's favor in your life, you need to put a little bit of favor into him. You need to make an investment, pour something into him. You give and you receive. Step into the mission. This man, Zacchaeus, he wanted to see Jesus. That was his goal. He came to the crowd because he wanted to see Jesus. He didn't want to see all the people. It wasn't a fellowship thing. He wanted to see Jesus. But he couldn't know how because he was too short. So I figured out how he can compensate for his shortness by going way up ahead of everybody else and climbing up a tree so he'd be one step ahead of everybody else. See, he's a worldly manipulator and he used this manipulation to be able to see Jesus and Jesus recognized, here's a guy who's a mover and a shaker. He's a guy who'll figure out how to get things done. I think I want him on my team. So he stopped and looked up and said, come down. Need to step into the mission. The shepherds did that. They said, we heard about the birth of this baby Jesus from the angels. Let's go see what this is. Let's go see if it's real. You heard a lot about Christianity and how Jesus Christ touches people's lives. And you hear me talk about it uh, every week, unless it's Pastor Adam or somebody else. Somebody's always talking about what Jesus does in the lives of people. The shepherds wanted to go see. Maybe we should not be so worried about hearing somebody else's story But we should be the one pressing in. I want to go see Jesus. I want to see this firsthand. Step into God's mission and watch God step into your life. Here's, Here's the third principle about New Year's resolutions look for signs of his coming. He ran ahead of everybody else. He went down here to the sycamore tree and climbed up because he heard that Jesus was coming that way. Jesus is coming. Do you believe that? Read the newspapers. I mean, there's signs all around us of his soon return. I'm excited about him coming back. I'm not afraid of him coming back. There's a couple things I'd like to get done before he comes back. Maybe I ought to get on that this afternoon and hurry his coming by getting my stuff out of the way. But he wants to come back. He's ready to come back. You can see it. The world is in chaos all around us. So where do you sense is the direction Jesus is going? Where where, where do you sense he's going to be next? You know, Wayne Gretzky, the great hockey player, said, I don't don't skate to where the puck is. I skate to where the puck's going to be. There's an anticipation here. I think they're gonna send the puck over here, so I'm gonna be there. Where do you think Jesus is gonna be? Where do you think he's moving? Where do you think he's doing something now? I wanna be there. Here's number four. You need to open your house to Jesus. When I say house, I don't mean the building. Jesus isn't interested in going to buildings. He's interested in going to your house. You see, the, it's the Greek word oikos, and it means more than a building. It's everything that pertains. We would use the word household. It's your household. Your household has to do with not just you. It has to do with your spouse. It has to do with your kids. It has to do with your employees if you're a, a business person. It has to do with your finances. It has to do with your hobbies and your interests. It has to do with everything about you. That's your house. That's your household, not just a building. And so Jesus said, I need to come to your house today. It didn't really matter what building he was living in. Jesus wanted to go where he was living. He wanted to step into his life. Jesus wants to step into your life. He's not concerned about the building you live in. He's concerned about what's going on in your life. And we need to open up our life. Not just open up our time on Sunday morning. But we need to open up our home our interests I have a hobby that has nothing to do with God but I invite God into it and it is amazing the things, the the exciting things He lets me discover about my ancestors nobody else would care but I care if you have a hobby of bowling, golfing, fishing Invite God to step into your household, step into your life, step into your children, step into your marriage. Makes everything better. Open your house to Jesus. Your house is where you live. It's everything about you. We've got some folks this morning that because of this COVID thing, they haven't come here. They're not in the house like the rest of us. They're watching from the comfort of their home. Let me encourage you from the comfort of your home to invite Jesus to come in to your house. Amen. Let him in there. It's amazing the things that he will change in your life. Here's number 5. Jesus Jesus isn't afraid of criticism. This is good to know. Yes. Everybody said, look at that guy, he calls himself a prophet. He's going to the house of a sinner. He doesn't even know the guy's a sinner. I think Jesus knew he was a sinner. And that's why he went to his house. Because he wanted to change him from being a sinner to a saint. Do you know when a person who is living a life of rebellion against God, when they open their life to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes in, do you know they instantly become a saint? You don't have to die and get voted on by a bunch of priests to be a saint. You accept Jesus Christ and he votes for you. You are voted in as a saint. Jesus isn't afraid of that. Criticism. If you're a Christian and you get involved in the mission of God, you're going to get criticized. When I first came to Christ, I lost a lot of friends because the very fact that I changed my life made them feel guilty. So they felt like they had to defend themselves by criticizing me to defend themselves. Jesus isn't afraid of being criticized. Proverb 27.6 says this, and, and this is cool. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. But an enemy multiplies kisses. You know, watch out for the kisses. My pastor told me years ago, he said, beware of the people they put their arms around you and say, Pastor, I'll follow you wherever you go. He says those will be the first people to betray you. Stab you in the back. Interesting. Jesus isn't afraid of being criticized. People finding fault with him. Neither should we. Here's number six. Break the back of poverty. Poverty, I believe, is a spirit. It's a spirit that oppresses people, holds people back, keeps them from moving ahead, keeps, keeps them in the indebtedness, keeps them from owing, never being able to get free, never being able to move ahead. It's a spirit. And as we can see in the story of Zacchaeus, he's a tax collector. He gets a percentage. He gets a kickback of all the taxes that he collects. And he's a wealthy man. He's collecting taxes not for the Jewish government, for the Roman government. So everybody sees him as a traitor. Everybody sees him as an evil sinner, somebody that can't be trusted. He's not looked up to. He's not respected, although he's wealthy. Jesus says, I got to come to your house. And it doesn't tell us what Jesus said to him. It does tell us the response of Zacchaeus. He said, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to, right now, today, I'm going to take half of everything I have and I'm going to give it to the poor. See, his heart's changed already. Just having Jesus come to his house, something has shamed him, something has made him feel guilty, something has made him realize, I've not been living my life the right way. And he didn't have to think or consult with his board of directors, he didn't have to consult with anybody, he just says right now, here and now today, I'm making a resolution, a New Year's resolution that from here on out, I'm going to give half of all my assets to the poor. And if I have taken, if I have deceived anybody, if I had taken money that I shouldn't have, I'll give it back four times what I've taken. Notice integrity has just exploded in this guy who's been a crook who's been a scoundrel, who's been a deceiver. Suddenly, his integrity changes everything. When God gets a hold of your checkbook, when God gets a hold of your bank account, he's got a hold of your heart. Let him have that heart. Break the back of poverty. The Bible says that the love of money, not money, not money, don't get this wrong, not money, the love of money, is the root of all evil. Get the Sunday paper. Look at the headlines on the first couple of pages and see how many of these headline news items have to do with money, somebody's greed, somebody's love of money. It's a heart issue. It goes down to the heart. When you step into being a giving person instead of a taking person, something explodes inside. I spent years of my life being a taker because I thought somehow I deserved it. When God got a hold of my heart, I realized I don't deserve anything. Hell, eternity in hell, that's what I deserve. But he gives me favor. And great blessings flow into my life because I learned how to be a giver. And that being a giver is something that grows because you get to see God return what you've given to him. And when you start seeing God bring blessing into your life because of what you gave, it makes you want to give just a little bit more. It's an exciting thing to see that when I give, God gives back. If I give a little bit more, God gives a little more back. This is exciting. And God never does it like I think he will. He does it in ways that surprise me. This is how faith grows when we watch God actually do this. All right, let's go to this last point, number seven. Embrace the household salvation. His whole household that God saved. That tells me one thing, Zacchaeus is a leader. He's a leader, he's got a wife, he's got a family, he's got employees, he's got a staff, he's got all these people relying on him. And because he steps into salvation, it influences his whole household. It influences everything. It influences his kids. It influences his in-laws. It influences everything around him. If you really step into Christ, it will influence everything around you. Four scriptures I want to share that make this household salvation point. That God's not just interested in you personally, He's interested in your whole house. Uh, Joshua 24, 15 is the first one. He says, and if it is evil in your eyes, speaking to the people of Israel before they go into the promised land. If it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day, not tomorrow, this day, right now. Make a decision now. Whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, not talking about his residence, not talking about that building, as for me and everything that pertains to me, everything around me, as it pertains to me, we're going to make a decision. We're going to choose today. Here's the second scripture. Acts chapter 16, verse 15. It says, And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us come to my house and stay. Zacchaeus didn't say, Jesus, will you come to my house? Jesus told Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house, so get down out of that tree. I'm not coming up in that tree where you are. I'm going to your house, so you've got to get down. He wants to come to our house. He wants to take up residence. This is Christianity when he takes up a residence with us. So she wasn't the only one that got baptized. Her whole household got baptized. If Everybody around her was influenced by her. Here's the third one. Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. It's a story of Noah and the flood. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household. For I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. I have seen that you are righteous. So go into the ark and take your whole household in with you. You see, salvation isn't just for Noah. Salvation is for his whole family. Yeah. Salvation isn't just for you. Right. It's for your whole family. Yeah. And everything that pertains to you. And Here's the last one. Acts chapter 2, verse 39. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. It's not just for you. It's for everybody. It's not just for those of us that come to church on Sunday morning. It's for the people you work with and you sit with in the classroom every day who don't come to church on Sunday. Because salvation is a household thing. Pertains to everybody around us. That tells me the reason he put the Holy Spirit in my heart is so I can influence those around me so that I can influence them so I can speak into their life so that I can give them hope so what's he he saying make a decision as for me and my house we'll serve the Lord you have to decide but let me be a model for you as for me and my house we will serve the Lord When my wife and I were we tried to model this we tried to practice this we didn't always do the best job of it with our kids and sometimes our kids were stinkers they wanted to do their own thing they had to figure it out just like I had to figure it out and you have to figure it out the hard way but we made a rule Sunday morning comes you'll be in church Wednesday night youth group when they got to the 7th grade we let them make their own mind up we're not going to force them not going to cram it down their throat, but Sunday morning, me and my house, we'll be in the Lord's house. We'll be here. You get old enough to make your own mind up, we'll let you make your own mind up. But when you're under our house, you will be in the Lord's house. That's just leadership. But you shouldn't have, you, sh- you shouldn't be a parent that has to force that on your kids. You should be a parent that gets to influence your kids. Guess what today is, kids? This is Sunday. We get to go to church. Hallelujah. Positive, positive. If we'll do that with our household, if we'll do that for the people we work with, and our classmates and our friends and our social network, if we'll be positive, we will influence them in a positive way. If we can't wait till we get home to gripe and complain about things that happened at church, how a pastor didn't do what we wanted, your kids aren't going to want to come. You got to be winsome. You got to be appealing. So, this is your decision. Choose this day. Why does he put pressure on? Why does he say now? Don't wait. Because the more you think about it, the more you reason it away, the more you come up with excuses. So he's saying, don't think about it. Just make a decision. Make a New Year's resolution to make things different. Decide how you're going to do that. What's your strategy? What's your plan? What are you going to do to make that happen? How is that going to happen? And watch God do an amazing thing yeah. in your life. Those three young people that raised their hands last week, young adults that did that, a whole new beginning in their life. Yes. Because Pastor Adam said, I'm going to count to three. Three. And when I get to three, raise your hand if you want to make a decision for Christ. One, two, three. And three hands went up. Didn't give him a chance to wait. It'd be a big mistake for me right now to waste this opportunity, wouldn't I? This is your opportunity. This is your chance. Let's close our, close our eyes, bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that your spirit will move through this room, that people will feel you tug on their heart. That's you saying, come down out of that tree. I want to come to your house. Father, help us to sense that, respond to that, help us to step into that and not be afraid of this household salvation and be leaders in our family, be leaders in our social network, be leaders in the workplace to lift Jesus higher. If there's anyone here you've not opened your life to Jesus, right now is the time to do it. Just make a decision. Say, Lord, I'm going to follow you right now. I give my life to you. I ask you to forgive my sin. Send your spirit into my heart. Help me to be the man or the woman you want me to be. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to worship God with one more song. Let's press in.